Welcome back to the Love Letters and Mixtapes podcast. I am so glad you're here. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. I see that so many of you are listening to and using the Daily Affirmations episodes, and I hope that they continue to be tools that you can use for support, encouragement, and strengthening your daily meditation practice. If you enjoy this episode, please consider donating to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at loveletters and mixtapes. I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this podcast. Snake River Roasting Company is an organic coffee roaster located in the beautiful mountains of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Not only do they roast award-winning coffees, but their mission and commitment to supporting the rights of women farmers around the world are just incredible. I start every single morning with a cup of their Fire on the Mountain organic coffee blend. And if you're anything like me, and you're particular about what you eat and drink and how it's sourced, Snake River Roasting Company has a free shipping code for you to give their delicious coffee a taste. Head to their website, snakeriverroastingco.com and use the code coffeelove at checkout for free shipping on all domestic coffee orders. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, believe it or not, I have recorded and edited this podcast episode about 10 times this week. And yet here I am doing it one more time. And the only reason I'm kind of laughing about that is because the topic I chose for this week was self-sabotage, all the many causes of it and all the ways that it shows up in our lives. And although personally, my week was so scattered, so inconvenient, one thing after another popped up and was completely out of my control and you know, threw things off track. I do know that there were some things that I did that sabotaged sort of a smooth podcast recording and editing session. So the message was not lost on me that the same thing I came to talk about with you is something that still pops up in my own life. And it should because I'm human and we do this from the moment we're born until the moment we die. So let's just dive into (laughs) self-sabotage. I recently read something where um, sort of like an online therapist mentioned that they didn't like the term self-sabotage and they preferred to use the term self-protection. And I understand this. I definitely get it. Uh, This person felt that self-sabotage was negative and shameful, but I also feel that self-protection may not accurately describe it because ultimately I would like to find coping methods that are self-protecting and help me thrive. But my self-sabotaging efforts, while probably a distortion of protection, are not quite that. Self-sabotage is like throwing a grenade into a particular area of your own life. And that doesn't seem like protection to me. That seems like sort of blowing something up. and. I don't want to get into a semantic tango or power struggle with anyone about what I mean when I say self-sabotage, but I think that you know what I mean. 
And even if you're not in a place where you can see it in yourself, I'm sure you can take someone else's inventory and identify exactly how, when, and where they are self-sabotaging. So after that intro, what is self-sabotage? I always love to start these episodes by defining what we're about to explore. So any behavior that could be seen as self-sabotaging is one where it creates problems in daily functioning and interferes with your goals. And the most commonly recognized self-sabotaging behaviors are probably procrastination, substance abuse, and self-injury. And those are just three. By no means does that cover everything. There are thousands of ways that we self-sabotage, but those are probably the ones that you can recognize the easiest. And people aren't always aware of the ways in which they engage in self-sabotaging behaviors. And even when we do make a connection between the behavior to the self-defeating consequences, that's rarely enough to motivate someone to disengage from the behavior and use a different coping method. Just awareness alone is not enough. And I've heard in many different circles, um, whether they're healing spaces or wellness spaces or even yoga spaces, that self-sabotage is connected with a deep lack of self-love or low self-esteem. And that never really sat right with me. Maybe it's just because of my own childhood, but I want to invite us to all look at it in a different way because that felt a little finger-pointing to me. Maybe we all do love and respect ourselves. And because of this love, we have a desire to survive. And we act sometimes as if we hate ourselves or disrespect ourselves to help manage unmanageable situations and feelings that come up for us the same way we did in childhood. And we just haven't worked ourselves out of that loop and into a more mature coping method. And that really rings true for me. I'm happy to share that being invisible was my superpower as a kid. I could walk in and out of a room without anyone seeing me. I could basically disappear into walls. And for me, being invisible meant much less physical violence, less verbal violence, and less daily anxiety. So... If I am nothing, and I do nothing, and I feel nothing, and I make myself ineffective and invisible, chances are I would survive what I was going through in the house I grew up in. Was it protection? Sure. But as an adult, that can turn into self-sabotage pretty quickly. Can you just imagine how being invisible shows up in adulthood? In our relationships, in a career with regard to finances, things can get really distorted. And I think I just want to keep pointing that out, that sometimes it's the one thing that helped us survive that is preventing us from thriving. And there's no shame in exploring that. It's really an invitation to try something new. So what are other forms of self-sabotage? We talked about the three main ones that everyone kind of easily points out, but what about the other ones that can be a little more under the surface? Dwelling on mistakes, 
really beating yourself up about things that you could probably easily let go of, or procrastinating and setting yourself up to fail in situations, whether that be at work, at school, or delaying something someone asked you to do and you know it's going to irritate them, not setting boundaries with ourselves or with others, refusing to seek or receive help, making excuses for our behaviors, overwhelming ourselves with self-criticism, rejecting praise, isolating when we are hurt or scared or feel unlovable or unattractive, saying yes to everything in an effort to people-please, resisting change, resisting good change, Suppressing our emotions, focusing only on instant gratification instead of the journey or the process. Self-discouragement before honest effort. And what does that look like? That's talking ourselves out of something before we've even given it a try. We're putting our needs on hold or ignoring and minimizing them. So all of these things I've just listed are variations on self-sabotage and maybe maybe only one or two resonates with you or maybe all of them do but it's really important to start identifying like what is my thing how am i showing up in these moments when i'm stressed or anxious and am i creating situations where i will underperform i think Another way to view procrastination, which is a pretty common one, I think this is something that people are pretty familiar with, but it might be a leftover trauma response to avoid feeling overwhelmed. And it's that delaying and delaying of the responsibility or trying to put distance between you and the stimulus that actually ends up creating more stress in the long run. But in the moment, sort of in our childish um, coping mechanism, we think, oh, but this this will give us some space. This will give us a moment to breathe. And in fact, it just makes things worse. I think self-sabotaging in relationships is something, I mean, we're all familiar with whether we want to um, admit it or not. Um, and that can that can take on all different forms. So self-sabotaging in relationships can be you know, ruining something before someone else can hurt us. Um, Especially if we're anticipating pain, we can be the one who destroys things. We can fear the past repeating itself and become so fixated on that that we're not showing up for the present. We can sabotage to avoid being rejected. You know, I broke up with him. He didn't break up with me. (laughs) Uh, Self-sabotaging can... Show up as not feeling worthy of the love that we want in our lives. And we can build a false sense of control with all of these feelings and maybe go out of our way to do things to prove that we are right in how we perceive things or that things were ultimately going to turn out poorly. So I'm protecting myself by being right and ruining it first. And self-sabotage, you know, that reveals to us how we feel about closeness and intimacy because sometimes that's out of our control, how people feel about us, 
But if I destroy it first, I don't have to wait to see how you feel about me. I know and I'm in control of it, even if I'm losing it. At least there's no surprise there. At least I know that things are going to end poorly. And when we listen to these limiting beliefs in our minds, we can sometimes project those past wounds onto the present. And so all of those things show up in relationships, and it's amazing that we even survive them (laughs) and that people, you know, walk through them with us because we're just human and we've all done them on some level or at some point in our lives. And then, you know, self-sabotage can rear its head after we break up. You know, think about the moment after you've broken up with someone and you knew it was wrong to be with them. You knew it wasn't healthy for you or you weren't healthy for them. And then afterwards, you begin to idealize them and idealize the relationship and yearn for your former partner, even though you know it was unhealthy. And so thinking that way or having those feelings isn't necessarily self-sabotage, but acting on it is. And another way that self-sabotage comes up in relationships is wanting to be seen as supportive and encouraging and kind and all of those positive things that I think ultimately a lot of us want to bring to relationships. But instead of leaning towards our truth and our integrity, I think sometimes we do things against our better judgment and intuition. And that puts us in positions to be liked by others and ensure that our wants and needs will not be met because we're not being truthful about them. And in some ways, we're manipulating the relationship or situation. I think the word manipulation is sometimes attributed to someone who's diabolical. And, you know, very loving people can manipulate situations because they're scared of alternative outcomes. So maybe by destigmatizing it a little bit and making it more approachable, we can see where we do it in our own lives. And maybe it's just the fear of being rejected. I mean, I feel like that was on the list that I just read. Fear of rejection or abandonment. Um, And that never feels good. No one wants to run towards that. But if we think that it might be coming anyway, whether that's from truth or facts or just our low self-esteem, maybe we create things to just get it over with. You know, it's interesting because in just 11 episodes of this podcast, I have managed to talk about fear so much, (laughs) and it was something for me to really look at, Um, but one of the main reasons I do that is, one, I mean, it's a pretty common thread in all of our lives, and then two, I want to introduce the vocabulary, and again, like manipulation, destigmatize it a bit. I have people in my life who would swear to God that they aren't afraid of a single thing. And then I have other friends with long-term 12-step sobriety who would happily write out a five-page fear inventory list and share it with you because that's what they've been taught to do. And that's the difference. The people in recovery are encouraged to explore their fears and verbalize them and walk through them And they're shown ways to build emotional muscles to navigate them. And that's through communication and tolerance and exposure and just the remembrance that, you know, we'll survive. We will get through this. These uncomfortable feelings will not kill us. 
And I always like to share in these episodes about how I view fear, because for me, I think it can be broken down into three categories. I am afraid that I am not enough. I'm afraid that I don't have enough or won't get enough. And I am afraid that you'll take something away from me. And I share that not because I think that, oh, I'm so unique and this is just how I experience fear, but in you know all the many years that I sat with clients or facilitated groups, that is how I heard fear make itself known. And obviously the situations are always different, the circumstances are unique, but any revealing about fear or a pain point around fear can kind of show up in one of those three categories. So how does fear intersect with our self-sabotaging behaviors? There's definitely a fear of being seen, a fear of responsibility, fear of tapping into our personal power and having to face our imposter syndrome, which is another term people are kind of discouraging people from using these days, but I still feel as if it fits. We have fears of not being lovable enough for other people, fear of being disliked or critiqued, fear of conflict or uncomfortable emotions or getting out of control, fear of rejection and abandonment, and even fears of not being needed. Then there's the fears that kind of come up when we finally do get the thing that we want. And that's a particular type of fear, and I'm not sure if you resonate with that, but whether that's the dream job, the dream house, the perfect relationship, we have all these fears that we won't get it. And as soon as we do get it, and it's now in our lives, and we're invited to show up, there's other fears of, you know, maybe this person in this beautiful relationship thinks I'm not good enough or will think I'm not good enough. And I I don't want to wait around to find out if they one day decide that. So I'm going to self-sabotage. Or if you're in a workspace of, you know, maybe I'm not up to the job. Maybe they need someone smarter, better, more interesting, just with more experience, whatever it is. And maybe I'll just fail on this one project and then it can just get over with and I don't have to deal with the anxiety anymore. I mean, fear and self-sabotage, they kind of walk hand in hand. And so when we do those inventories and we take that pause to say, what am I thinking and feeling and how am I behaving as a result of that? And then what are the consequences? And is there any point at which I can intervene and change the direction I'm going in? I think about that a lot and I do love to share about the inventories and accountability exercises um, because they are powerful and because we don't need anything fancy and outside of ourselves to do them. You need a pen and a piece of paper and just some truth and to sit down and say, what am I doing? What have I done? Who do I want to be? What's my reality? And if you ever want to go back into some episodes, I believe that it was the accountability and apologies and amends episode where I went through a detailed version of how to do an inventory. And again, that's a tool for us to not just do once, but to do over and over again to sort of develop these muscles and to get into the practice of it because we could self-sabotage to the day we die, but Every day we also have the opportunity to sort of meet it where it is and chip away at it a little bit. I also think about the self-sabotage that was sort of passed down to us through families. And 
Again, not pointing a finger, I do feel that for the most part, family members did probably the best that they could with the tools that they had. But it's good to look at how was I raised to approach certain situations? And what can I do differently right now? And so when I think about self-sabotage, I think about in relationships when people try to address things when their nervous system is a complete wreck and they're all over the place, um, super stressed. They're not even feeling like they're in their body. They can't put words together, but they're making these big life decisions and changes to relationships in these moments. And thinking about, okay, how was I taught to do this in my family of origin and how can I do it differently now? If in my family of origin, we told people that we loved them when we were like screaming and throwing things and really upset, you know, is that what I want to be doing right now? Or is that another form of self-sabotage and trying to recreate the cycle I know in my current relationships? Or can I take a moment to rest and relax my nervous system, whether that's just like removing myself from the room, taking some deep breaths, just a grounding mantra, anything, can that bring me into the right space to meet whatever emotion is coming up at the time? I also think about money. I mean, finances can be such a triggering thing for so many people. And I think of all the self-sabotaging behaviors people engage in around money because they kind of weren't taught to do that, to ground themselves first and be in a very clear, calm, relaxed space to deal with it. I have friends who anytime we talk about any kind of money issues, they're in tears and that was the house they grew up in. There was a lot of stress and drama and trauma around it. And that is one that I absolutely understand. There is no bigger fear in my life or something that can inspire my character defects or my self-sabotaging behaviors quite like my fears of financial insecurity. And by the way, those fears aren't valid. I've done pretty well for myself. I have no idea what I'm so nervous about, but I can, it can keep me up at night thinking about all the things that are going to get taken away from me or all the ways that I'm going to mess up and I'm going to make the bad choices and the bad decisions and I'm going to have to pay for it financially and it's going to be brutal. That could be the cycle that I'm stuck in or I can take an opportunity to sort of take a step back, remove myself, ground my nervous system, give myself space to kind of breathe all that stuff out and walk towards things that bring me in closer relationship with the actual facts. So what does that look like with regard to financial issues? Um, well. I can every single week just take a look at my finances, the numbers on paper, and reassure myself of where I am, what I need, and what I can do. I can consistently live below my means and find ways to still treat myself and treat myself very well, but not live in a way that causes anxiety. But a self-sabotaging way to kind of meet those fears would be, you know, what I did for so many years, working like three jobs, 100 hours a week, just propelled by this 
wild fear that I was about to be unhoused and bankrupt and all of these bizarre distorted fears. And I felt at the time that it was motivating me and driving me to, you know, to work really hard and pursue my dreams. And it wasn't until I sort of dove into this work and stepped back and said, no, this is just beating me up and beating me down. And even when I have what I need and what I want and more than what I need and what I want, I still can't feel it. And that's how I know that it was self-sabotaging. Believe it or not, I'm actually really embarrassed that I recorded those two daily affirmations. And I think it's important to talk about because I was going to self-sabotage myself out of them. Meanwhile, apparently, they're the most listened to recordings I have for this podcast. People are listening to them every day, all day. And I didn't want to share them with you because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to be seen as someone who uses daily affirmations to ground my nervous system and to boost my self-esteem, and to bring myself into right relationship with my reality. I literally start every morning, as embarrassing as it is, sitting in front of the mirror, doing my skincare routine, and listening to affirmations and saying them out loud. I cringe about the fact that I just shared that, and then this is going to be broadcast, and maybe someone I know is going to listen to that and be like, God, that's a really weird thing to do. But I don't wake up feeling that things are going to be okay. And I can get lost in my self sabotaging behaviors and my character defects because they're just waiting for me. They're like literally doing push ups outside my bedroom door every morning. And so when I start my day knowing what I'm working with, I can actually do something about it. And so I do. I start my day with mantras. You know, I don't feel grounded in my body every day when I wake up, which is why I created the daily I am affirmations. And I have profound and lifelong fears of financial insecurity, which I've talked about a lot on Instagram. And everyone's always been really nice about it, but it's really embarrassing to talk about um, because it's not rooted in reality. It's definitely rooted in a childhood wound. But doing the work to unwind and untie those knots of self-sabotage and the stories I tell myself around that is so embarrassing that I almost don't want to do it. And that's how I know that I need to do it. So if you're like me and you need to ground yourself before you even walk out the door every morning, those affirmations are for you. And I'm just going to get over my embarrassment and deal with it. And whatever, you're welcome to make fun of me. (laughs) It's fine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, it's been a really challenging week after a challenging year and a half. 
and I had every reason on earth to just allow all of my feelings of self-sabotage and all those negative stories and all those wounds from childhood to just be like a wave crashing over my head. And I'm glad I didn't. And I'm glad that I didn't wait till the worst moment that I felt this week in order to begin practicing these things. And I'm glad that I started when things were okay and just kind of wove it into my daily practice. And that's always what I'm going to encourage anyone listening to do. We can wait until the crisis point, cross our fingers and hope that the tools will work, or we can begin practicing them every single day, even when it feels corny and weird and just like, aren't I over this already? Practicing these things every single day so that when we do have those difficult moments, and I re- I had a really difficult week. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. Um, but I had those tools available to me. And by no means am I a saint. By no means am I evolved or perfect. I am just a human who is looking for more emotional tools to put in my tool bag. Because if the only tool I have is a hammer, everything's going to look like a nail. And... I could definitely have seen myself being in a mood this week to just burn everything to the ground. And I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad I'm recording this podcast again for like, I guess this is the 10th or 11th time and just putting it out there for you because that's how I hold myself accountable, showing up and talking about these things, even when, you know, it doesn't feel amazing because the way I felt when I started recording this podcast about 30 minutes ago I feel a lot differently right now. So thank you. Thank you for being here and walking through that with me. And the name of this podcast is Love Letters and Mixtapes. And the inspiration for that was a desire to write, share, and talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, three years ago, or yesterday. And if I was going to write a love letter to my younger self about self-sabotage, it would probably go something like this. Your fears of being seen, heard, and understood all make perfect sense to me. Every single one of the coping methods that helped you to survive difficult relationships, complex situations, and uncomfortable feelings now seem to be the things that are preventing you from thriving. And all of it can feel like too much to take on, too much to look at, and too difficult to work through. But I know that you can. You were born to be fully seen, heard, and understood as who you truly are. There are places in this world that are meant for your gifts, your power, your intuition, and your capacity is so far beyond your current vision that it can shock you sometimes. So take one step at a time, one breath at a time, and trust that the world is a beautiful place and you belong here. Until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Check out this week's playlist on my personal Spotify account and join me on Instagram at Love Letters and Mixtapes. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider donating to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio.